a couple of decades ago, uh, it was a, just a normal Saturday morning, and uh, my buddy Greg and I decided we were going to go surfing that morning, uh, and so we went to Camp Pendleton, which had a, a policy that, and this is in Oceanside, that you could come to the gate and you could say, you could ask, you could just say, can we go surfing? And it was a yes and no policy. And so we pulled up to this particular gate. There was two different gates at that time at Camp Pendleton. And we just did our, you know, pulled up, hey, uh, can we go surfing this morning? And this particular Marine, and he was really nasty with us. Now, I have the, the highest respect for Marines, you know, simplify, just love Marines. But this is not a nice guy. Maybe he had a bad night. I don't know what it was. Uh, and so as we said, all right, but I made a big mistake. As we were turning to go around, uh, within earshot of him, he apparently heard me. I said to Greg, let's go to the other gate. <laughs> and uh, so when we get to the other gate, and I'm thinking, well, you know, since they have a yes and no policy, maybe that guy will say yes. Uh, I could not have been more wrong, because as we were pulling up, two Marines are running towards our vehicle, and they have this look on their face like they're not happy. And I'm like, what, what in the world is going on? They rip our car doors open, and they pull Greg out, and Greg, who had just got out of the Marines himself, had a bit of a, an attitude that day, and so uh, he ended up fighting with them, and they gave him the beat down right in front of me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is horrible, what's going on? And uh, I just stood up, and I, I go, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, you know, please don't hurt me. And uh, so uh, we were arrested. Your, your pastor was arrested put in the back of a military vehicle and taken to the compound and charged with uh, trespassing. So the next thing I know, I'm standing in federal court, not just any court, federal court before a federal judge. And uh, he's looking at the paperwork and uh, he looks down at me and he says, so Mr. Bombachi, I see you're in ministry. <laughs> this is going over really well. Can you explain to me why you were trying to get onto a, a, the base? And so I, I gave my explanation, and he was very, very kind to me and let me off and gave me a real, you know, real severe warning, you know, don't, don't do this again. Now, the reason I'm telling you this story this morning is because it really is all about the gate. And, and what are gates for? Gates are for protection. They're for security. I'm glad that our bases had the gates protected so much so that you know, uh, even if, if you're trying to get on there, even to go surfing for the wrong purposes, whatever, they're, they're there. They want to make sure that bad people don't get on, on the base. It's about security. And so today we're going to talk about, we've been talking about the great I am's of Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the gate. Now these I am's are, well, he's really dropping the I am God word every time he says it. But he says, I am the gate. And some translations actually say, I am the door. And, and gates and doors are about security. I wonder, just for a moment, think, how many doors did you walk through this morning just to get here? They're, they're all over. They're, they're in our homes. We have, we have doors. We have gates at our home. Maybe you do too. Uh, you walk through a door to get here. What are doors about? They're, they're an entryway in or out, but they're really about protection and safety, and, and they're about security. And, and so today, we're going to talk about something that Jesus promises to us which is that we can trust him because he'll give us safety and security. When he says, I am the door, uh, I, I am the gate, he's saying, you can trust me that I'll take care of you. You're, you're going to be okay with me. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to get into John chapter 10 today. We've been living out of the book of John. This is where these seven I am statements come from. Today we're in the third I am statement. 
So let's read. Now, right out of, the, out of the gate, so to speak, he says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. It's really important that you understand that he's speaking, but he's speaking directly to the leadership of Israel, the religious leaders, the uh, gatekeepers of the law. He says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. And the one who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And, and when he has brought all of his own, out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Now, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling him. We'll explain that a little bit more later. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved, and they will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus makes a beautiful promise there that we, we can trust him with our, with our lives. But the question is, what did, what did Jesus mean by that? There's a lot in that statement when he says, I am the gate. Now, we basically have to go back 2,000 years ago because Jesus was using metaphors and imagery that everybody would relate to. But here we are 2,000 years later, and I doubt that probably many of us know a lot about shepherding and sheep and sheep pens and all that stuff. So let me kind of help you with that just, just a little bit. So in, uh, even today, in, in the Palestinian Judean hills, where there's still shepherds doing the same thing they did 2,000 years ago, uh, in the evening, uh, one thing you have to know about sheep is sheep are really helpless. They're really dumb, and, and they're helpless. And, and so they're easy prey for the predators that are out there. And so in the evening, the, uh, the shepherd will create kind of a sheep pen. A lot of times they'll, they'll, they'll use stones, and they'll build... Um, kind of a, uh, like a, a round pin, like a, a wall all around, and it, it'll be about maybe about waist high, and then they'll put these thorn branches on top so that the sheep can't get out or that predators can't get in. And then there's this one opening they have, you would call that the gate or the door, and there, at that particular opening, uh, he puts either more branches with thorns on it or sometimes he'll sleep there. He becomes the literal gate for the sheep because he wants to look after them, because he's caring for them. So when, when Jesus was talking about this, everybody in his audience would go, oh, wow, that's a huge statement. So you're saying that you are the gate to the sheep, that you're, you're, the, you're the safety, you're, you're, you're the door. Um, now, the timing of this is really interesting. Um, when Jesus actually makes this statement, it's during the Feast of the Dedication. You'll see this in verse 22 a little later on in this chapter. Now, what's so important about this, and what is the Feast of Dedication? How many of you have heard of Hanukkah? Okay, you're, you're all your Jewish friends, neighbors. You, you might see the menorah out that time of the year. This is the only time, you may not know this, this is actually Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, that it's actually mentioned in the Bible. And so what is that about? Well, I'm not going to get into all the history of it, but in 165 uh, B.C., a guy named uh, Judas Maccabee uh, basically came in and saved the temple the Jewish temple from, 
from basically having been desecrated, if you, if you know the story, he comes in and there's a miracle that takes place and it's a, it's a huge story. But the reason that he had to come in and save the temple and the reason that it was desecrated was because of bad leadership. The leaders of Israel, the religious leaders of Israel had basically sold Israel out and conspired with their enemies. So when Jesus makes this statement and he says, I am the gate, on their minds as they're celebrating the deliverance from what happened all back during you know, 165 years ago, they're thinking about bad leadership. They're thinking about bad shepherds. And uh, in fact, the, some of this was, for instance, if you look back at Isaiah chapter 40, he's talking about good leadership. This is the prophet 700 years before Jesus. He's foreshadowing what's going to happen. And he says, see, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he tends his flock like a shepherd. But then Jeremiah comes along and he points to some bad leadership, and he says, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying this and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. If you want to read about bad shepherding, go to Ezekiel chapter 34, and a huge chapter is dedicated talking about bad leadership, bad spiritual leadership. And then, go on here a little bit. So what, is, what was Jesus trying to do? He was trying to help his people. I'm going to go back for a second. I think I got ahead of myself here. There we are. One more. He wanted to help his listeners who were regularly oppressed by their, their leaders. I mean, all throughout history, Israel had had different kind of leaders and not very, not very many good ones in terms of of those that were spiritual leaders. And so Jesus comes along and he says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. Now, why is he addressing the Pharisees? Because they're the spiritual leaders of Israel. They're the rabbis, they're the, the elders, they're the lawmakers. Uh, and so, and they, they have a lot of power. They're the power brokers of their time in terms of all things temple and spiritual and religious. And so he says, fairly truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. And so Jesus is saying this to them. He's actually coming at them hard, but it kind of just goes right over their head. They don't get it. What's interesting is they consider themselves to be the gatekeepers of the law. Remember the Old Testament law? And so uh, instead of using the law to bless the people, because that's actually what the law was created for, I know sometimes you and I, we read the Old Testament law and we're going, whoa. But the law was actually to be a blessing to the people of God. But they took it, and by the time Jesus comes, you know what they've done? They've added 600 more laws. Actually, six, more than 600. And so instead of being the good shepherds and being the, the good rabbis and the people that will lead the people towards you know, really enjoying God and, and their lives being blessed, Pretty much, it's, it's, they've been in prison. It's almost like the gatekeepers have put all of the people into the prison. They're in a pen, all right, the prison of the law. And it's oppressive. And it's not liberating. It's, it's not good. And in fact, Jesus has some really choice words. You want to know how Jesus felt about the Pharisees? Let me read you a few more words. I found this in uh, Matthew. And if you read the 23rd chapter of Matthew... Matthew was one of the disciples of Jesus, so he has a front row seat. He's right there, and he writes about this. And one day, Jesus just comes straight out at the Pharisees. And if you don't think that Jesus got angry sometimes, 
you haven't read the Gospels. Because man, could he get angry. It's a righteous kind of indignation. Have, let me just ask you a question. Have you, does it anger you when you see any kind of leadership that exploits people? Doesn't it just do something? It just get up inside of you and you think, how can they do that? How can we let that happen? This is, this is Jesus in one of those moments, and he's just getting sick of it. So he just comes straight to the Pharisees. I'm just going to read you a few words. This is in uh, verse 13, chapter 23. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, and you yourselves do not enter. Nor will you let these enter who are trying so hard. They were loading people down with more laws and more laws. And then he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You're hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you've succeeded, you make them twice as much a child as hell as you are. Hmm. I think we get what he was trying to say. You're not happy with the Pharisees. And when he comes along, he, he, he's at the end of his ministry, he sees that these people have just been, been harassed by them. But the Pharisees did not understand. They, they, they just simply did not get it. Look at what Matthew says one more time. In, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, so that's how the Pharisees were as leaders. Look how Jesus is. And he's traveling with Jesus, and he gets to see how Jesus is with people all day. When he saw the crowds, he's talking about Jesus here. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a, a, like a, a sheep without a shepherd. Have you ever felt harassed and helpless, maybe because you were under the leadership of somebody that wasn't treating you well? You ever been there before? How about on a spiritual level? I have. There have been some great leaders in my life, and I hate to say this, but there have been some really bad leaders in my life on a religious, spiritual level. And what I want to say to you this morning is for all of the spiritual leaders that treated you wrong, that harassed you, that made you feel helpless, on their behalf, I want to apologize to you. If you're here this morning and you say, I've been beat up by some spiritual leaders. I've been beat up by some churches. I've had some bad church experiences. I'm just glad that you survived and you're here today because there are some good leaders out there. I, I hope that I'm one of them that, that are going to look after their sheep, after their people, and, and take care of them. He had compassion on them. That's, Jesus saw them through the eyes, uh, eyes of compassion. And what Jesus did is he distinguished himself from any other type of leader. He said, I'm a new kind of leader. There, there's never been a leader like me, and there will never ever be a leader like me again. I don't lead like those other people lead. As, as a matter of fact, remember Jesus said, how, how, how are a lot of leaders? A lot of leaders are self-serving. Big egos, self-serving they're going to work their agenda so they leverage things to their side so they can have the comforts and be served, right? But Jesus said, I've come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. In other words, he said, I'm going to model something for you you've never seen before. You've never seen a leader like me. My leadership is all about making your life better. So we learn to lead like Jesus. We learn to, to model like Jesus. Now, whenever we throw the word uh, lead or leader in, I know a lot of people just immediately eject because they don't see themselves as leader, leaders. 
So when I say this, as I get to the second point here, and we, we kind of move through what's, what we're talking about here, please, I do not eject and go, well, that's, I'm not a leader. Because by definition, leadership is influence. That means that every single person, every single person in this room is a leader. Every one of you. You lead somebody. If you're a parent, you're a leader. If you're a teacher, you're a leader. If you're an employer, you're a leader. If you're an employee, you have influence. All of us have influence on some level, so all of us get to lead in, in some, some way. So Jesus shows us how to do it. And Christ-centered leaders listen. If we're Christ-centered leaders, we listen to the true shepherd who modeled it for us and showed us how to lead. So in uh, verses 3 through 5, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. And he, and he calls his own name by sheep by name. Now, it's really interesting, and this still happens today, some of the shepherds uh, would have, use a certain tone, and they would actually call their sheep out. Some of them, they actually had names for some of their sheep. I don't know what you would name a sheep, but anyway, maybe they had their favorite sheep in, in, in the group. But they would call them out by name, and the sheep would respond because they knew the voice. Some of them actually use flutes, and they'll, like, they'll like have a little tune for their, their sheep. And in today in the Middle East, because in some places there's so many sheep, you know, the, the flocks can get sort of intermixed a little bit. But the moment that the shepherd, the good shepherd, if he is one, starts to call out the sheep, they all come to him because they all know his voice. And this is the metaphor that Jesus is using here. He says, my sheep, they, 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 they know my voice, and I can call out to them to listen. When Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you, basically he says, I want you to listen. Did you know there's a difference between hearing and listening? How many of you know there's a difference? So my wife points this out to me many times in our marriage. And uh, so, some years ago, I have to admit that my wife, is a, is a, she's a woman of many words. And, and, and sometimes, you know, I would have to say probably for the first half of our marriage, I didn't listen really well. I heard her, but I wasn't listening. And, and, the, and the difference is when you listen You've actually heard, and there's a response to what you've, you've heard. You haven't just, you know, you can hear something, but it can just be noise to you. But in, for, and from a biblical sense, when you listen, you hear and you listen, then you respond. And so uh, the last decade or so of, of my marriage, I've given my wife the gift of listening. And, uh, and I had to work at it. I'll be honest with you. Like I said, many words. But I've learned how to listen and respond. I know, I know that it's, just, it's really made a difference in our marriage. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He goes, I want you to listen, not just, just hear, but I want you to listen to what I, I, I'm saying. And then he goes on ahead and he says, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. This is... Lily Bombachi. This is our cat, Lily. She's an old cat now. She's 13 years old. So 13 years ago, my son brought Lily home, and supposedly it was just going to be for a little, you know, little stay. He actually rescued her, and, uh, and then he was going to you know, move out with her, and it would be his cat. Well, that never happened. Lily became, she's the household cat, been with us a long time. But here's, here's and by that, that picture right there is uh, about a month ago, we were going to go on a trip, and she decided she wanted to go with us. And we had to get her out of the van. But anyway, um, she responds to all of us 
but she responds to one person differently than the rest of us, and that is her savior, Stevie, my son, because he literally rescued her. And so as much as we feed her, and boy, do we spoil her, and you know, she just has us on call all the time. You know, Recently, she broke her femur, and now we're really, really trying to take care of her. But the, mo- the moment my son Stevie walks in, he pretty much comes in every day, doesn't live with us, she just leaves us like we're nothing. Like, what, what are we, anyway? I mean, we, we take care of you, we feed you, we're like, and, but no, when, when Stevie walks in, boom, she's right there, she loves him, she hears his voice, and she responds to him. It's kind of, kind of, kind of what we're talking about here. Jesus said, my people, my sheep, they, they, they know my voice. And so how do you know the voice of Jesus? I guess this is the big question. Like, how, how do you tune into that? How do you turn the volume up on the voice of Jesus so that, you can actually hear his voice. Because let's face it, there's a lot of voices out there today. And they're not all bad, but they're competing voices, right, in, in our life. Now, some of them are bad. How do you turn up the voice of Jesus in your life so that you can really hear his voice and you can distinguish it from the rest of, from the rest of them? We practice hearing. We practice, like, hearing the voice of, of Jesus. And so let me tell you how, um, how I do it, okay? And then I know that there's different ways of doing it. But uh, every, every morning, the first thing I do when, my, when I open my eyes is I begin to have a conversation with Jesus. That's called prayer. And there's, there's many different ways that you can pray. But for me personally, uh, and then the first thing I do is, is I get into the Bible in the morning you know, with a cup of coffee good coffee. It has to be good coffee, you know. It just makes my day better. But anyway, just, just a good cup of coffee. And, and I began to just interact and engage with Jesus. So, so when you pray, that's, that's us talking to Jesus. But when you read the Word of God, that's kind of Jesus talking back to us. That's God talking back to us. Uh, there are many other ways that you, that you can do this. But, but the main idea is this. What are you doing so that you can hear the voice of Jesus? What are you doing so you can recognize the the voice of Jesus, so that, so that the voice of Jesus is prominent in your life, and when it's Jesus calling, as the, as the song says, like, that's, that's Jesus. I, I hear his voice. He says, my sheep know my voice. Again, a lot of voices out there. How do you know that it's his voice? How do you know that it's not somebody else's voice? The only way that you can know that is time invested with Jesus, history with Jesus, walking with Jesus, living with Jesus, and he's become such a part of our life that you, you literally, you, you hear his voice in your life. But the question is this, do you know about those deceptive voices that are out there, those other voices that are out there? Because there, there's a lot of them that are out there. And you know what? All of us, including myself, tend to be a little bit vulnerable or susceptible to certain kind of leaders that may not be good leaders. To certain kind of voices, like, oh, I, I like that. For, for instance, there's the, there's the, the hyper-dynamic, charismatic leader, and, and maybe they don't have the best intentions. There's plenty of them. And, you, and there are some people, if you're not careful, you'll begin to follow that person, and maybe to your own detriment, they'll lead you in a place that's not a healthy place for you spiritually. Some people like the, uh, the rule leader. They're hardcore, black and white, all about the rules, and somehow they feel a safety and a security in that. There's all kinds of leaders that, that we're attracted to. Someone like the intellectual leader. There's a, there's a guy that I used to follow, and I'm not going to tell you his name, but, but I was just wowed by this guy's brilliance. Um, he, was, he was a very prolific writer. He was a pastor of a megachurch. 
uh, he, he was um, traveling at one point, and, and uh, uh, he, would go on a, he would get on a whiteboard and write Hebrew and Greek all across the board and talk about all kinds of things. And I, I really, this was great. He was, I was listening to his podcast. And then at some point, I noticed that he kind of took a turn in a different direction. Now, I, I've got a strong spiritual foundation, and I know the voice of Jesus. And something in me began to say, he's not going the right way. And so it, in, in time, um, he began to actually move away from Jesus. And he began to move towards universalism, universalism, which basically is all roads lead to God. And that's not what Jesus said. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks when he says, I am the way and the truth. Uh, but he moved away from that. And I saw him, last time I saw him was on a, on a show on TV, and he was being interviewed, and he basically said, salvation is for everybody, and it's any way, and it's any path. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you have deceived so many people. Not a good gatekeeper. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the gate. I will take care of you. But what would that be for you? Maybe, maybe you came to the service this morning and you're here just in time because you're starting to go down the path with somebody who's wowed you just like I was wowed by that guy. And this is the day you'll say, wait a second, wait a second. I, I need to step back. I need to tune in to the voice of Jesus and to the word of God. Maybe that's you. Verse 27 and 28, he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And I give them, what a promise, eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's, that's, that should make you feel secure. You have a relationship with Jesus, okay? I mean, all of us are going to die one day, and we can look towards the fact that he's got, he's got us, he's taking care of us. But even in this life, he says, I remember he said, I came to give you life. In abundance, not just for the here and after, but now. God wants to, he, he, cares, for, he cares for his sheep. And Christ-centered leaders are people who give to those around us. We're giving leaders. We, we are life-giving leaders. You know how you know if you're not? If the people around you who you lead are miserable. Pretty good indication. Like, if you're an employer, and I went and I said, so tell me, how, how is your boss? And they said, oh, man. You don't even want to know. That would, that would be pretty much an indictment against your leadership. How about if I, in a family, how about if I ask the kid, hey, how's the parents? Oh, man. It's, it's, that's all leadership. That's all influence right there. So are you the kind of leader, a life-giving, that gives life-giving kind of leadership to people where they enjoy being around you and you're not grouchy and you're not mean and you really care for your people? And you have their best interest at heart. That's what Jesus modeled right there. That's what Jesus wants us to do. In verse 9, it says, they will come in and go out and find pasture. Whenever you see the word pasture used most of the time in the Bible, it's talking about a place of blessing, a place of refreshment, a place of restoring our, our, our souls. They may have life and have it to the full. Uh, David, King David said it this way when he was a shepherd boy. He says, he makes me to lie down in the 23rd Psalm. A lot of you know this Psalm. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That's the intention of God. That's the heart of God. When Jesus came along, he said, that's what I want for you. I'm a good gatekeeper. I'll take care of you. I'll refresh your soul. I'll give you a good life. The I am statement. I am 
That was a statement of his deity. But I am the gate, and I will take care of you. So is your leadership life-giving? Is your influence life-giving to the, the people around you? Because Christ-centered leaders reproduce themselves. Sometimes they do it intentionally, and sometimes not intentionally. Have you ever been around somebody, a Christ follower, who just exuded love and everything you like, and you think, I just want to be like them? I know a lot of people like that. They're just people I look up to, and I'm like, wow, I I enjoy being around them, and they just exude this beautiful spirit of love and compassion, and I want to be around them. That's what God wants for us. You see, when Jesus comes into our life, he invites the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a package deal. Comes in, and he begins to change us from the inside out. Paul said it this way. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And as we begin to follow follow the, the model of Jesus, the leadership model, it's not too hard to say that. Like I said last week, I'm not a perfect person, but you're invited to follow me because I'm trying to follow the example of Jesus. And you should be able to say to the people in your life, follow me. Don't have it all wired, make mistakes, but I'm following the path of Jesus. And I'm a pretty good gatekeeper. And I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going I'm I'm to look after you. Is, is our voice like that? Is, is it like the leadership of Jesus? Does it sound similar to the voice of Jesus? And finally, am I willing to lay down my agenda so I can put his first? Because that's really what it requires. Jesus said, and we're going to talk more about this in a, in next week, actually, he made the ultimate sacrifice for us. He said, you want to you know what kind of leader I am? I'm going to die for you. Doesn't get any bigger than that. And then in the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, Jesus says this, chapter 3, verse 21. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice, I will come in to him. The old King James used to say, sup with him. That actually means have a meal. I'm going to come in. I'm going to have a meal with you and you with me. And it's going to be good. So this morning, could it be that you're out of the sheep pen and you're kind of out there doing your own thing, living life on your own terms. And, 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 and the great gatekeeper of your soul stands there today knocking on your heart's door saying, hey, I'd like to come back in. Or maybe you've never let him in. Say, I, I'd like to come in. I'd like to, I'll take care of you. You know, I will always, you'll never perish as you said in the, in the verse there. And I'll always be with you and I'll bless you. This, this isn't, right, remember the let's, de- let's make a deal show, door number one, two, and three? And you're like, oh, what, what door do I choose? You know, uh, door number two, ah, wrong door. This isn't one of those moments. This is where Jesus says, I am the door. I'm the only door. I'm the right one. If you choose him, you'll never, ever go wrong. So choose him. He loves you. He'll care for you. He won't exploit you. Any agenda that he has for your life? It's perfect. Bow your heads with me if you would. I just wonder, I just wonder if, if maybe you came here today and in the process of talking about Jesus and his claim to be the gate and, and the caretaker of our soul and that he would speak to us with his voice and that we would listen. I wonder if you're here today and you say, somehow, some way, I, I'm, not in, I'm, not, I'm not there. I, I, it's, I'm in a different space right now. I'm in a different place on a spiritual level. And I want to get there. When, when you said that he's knocking on my heart's door, I, I want him in. I want him in my life. 
I realize his need. I want him to take care of me. I want him to lead me. And I'm not going to lay out my terms. I'm going I'm to listen to his terms and live his way. If that's you and you're here this morning, raise your hand. I just want to pray for you in my closing prayer. Hey, yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Yeah. Lord Jesus, thank you for this moment when we talk about the fact that you are the gate, you are the way, you're the door into eternal salvation. And you'll always take care of us, and your promises are true, every single one of them. And for these that have responded to you this morning, Lord, I just pray that you would somehow, in a greater way than you already have, reveal yourself to them. Show who you are and what you can do and how you're going to care for them and take care of them, Lord Jesus. If there's anybody that's here and they've been hurt and harassed and beat down by any kind of leadership, be it spiritual or otherwise, God, help them to know that you're there for them, that you love them. They'll always take care of them. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.